Ever wonder why 95% of leads do not convert? Why cold call rates are down and prospects don't open our emails? Why our responses of robocalls and implanting pixels to track user interaction, mostly without permission, is backfiring spectacularly? Well, that's what we intend to find out here in the Buyerside Chat podcast. There are scores of podcasts about selling, but most miss the shift that has come upon the buying selling process. The initiative has since moved from the supply to the demand side. The Buyer Side Chat, your podcast of record for B2B buying, talks to actual buyers, persons, not personas, in the quest to understand the real buyer's journey, their trials and tribulations, challenges and outcomes they're striving for. Welcome to the Buyer Side Chat. Thank you for your time and for joining us on this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give a shout out to each of you in our next episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Just a quick intro to Pitchlink. Pitchlink is a new generation tool that takes out friction in the communication and conversation process between the seller and the buyer, making it easy to focus on the problem both are trying to solve. Over 400 companies in 32 countries use Pitchlink to buy and sell better. Now, on to our guest for today, Scott McNicholas. He is the Regional Manager Southeast England and London of British Standards. He believes if you want to get in front of more prospects and sell more, then you need to align your sales process to the way your prospects buy, not how you sell. The broadest and, and the biggest change that I've seen is the access to information that the buyers have, but at the same time, that information is overwhelming for the buyer. There's so much information to them. And we know that buying today doesn't just involve one person, it involves several people. And within those several people, they've got to disseminate between themselves the relevant information, their own priorities in terms of what's happening within the business and what they want to do within their role and what they're trying to achieve. One of the things that sort of goes hand in hand with that is the speed at which sellers, salespeople are adopting and moving to how buyers buy. So it's it's really aligning your sales process to how your buyers buy and move away from seller-centric, product-centric selling. And that, I think we're very, very behind the curve with that. Scott is hugely passionate about the profession of sales. Having spent the last 16 years in various sales roles, he has seen sales evolve over this period and believes selling today is hard, but buying is even harder. His core focus is on helping buyers navigate through their own buying process. Scott has recently founded his consultancy business. Now, on to this insightful conversation with Scott McNicholas. Scott, welcome to the show. I'm uh, glad that we could make time and and, and we are having this chat. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to uh, discussing with you how selling has changed because buying has changed welcome thank you very much it's uh yeah it's a pleasure to be to be on the show and to be uh yeah to be invited onto it and, and to share some insights into how buying has changed i've I've been in sales now for come up to 17 years and even in the last few years selling has changed dramatically um but yeah i'm very very keen to sort of share and and have a discussion around how buying how our buyers buy differently. 
and, and yeah. how selling has to adapt to that. So before we dive in, would you like to say a bit about what you have been working on last few years and uh, how how your trajectory has shaped? Yeah, sure. So I, I, I guess I fell into sales by accident, as I think many people do. Um, funnily enough, when when I first, well, when I was growing up and I was much younger, I, I wanted to become um, a journalist, a sports journalist. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, and then I remember it was uh, my parents were selling their house. And I remember the, um, the, the, the real estate guy, the estate agent, he turned up. And he turned up in a nice suit, a nice car. And I was very young and impre- sort of impressionable. And I, I saw this guy and I was like, wow, I want to be like this guy here. Um, so I was like, okay, well, what, what does he do? How, how do I become an estate agent? How do I do what he, he, he does? Um, and that's that's kind of how my journey into to, to selling came about. Funnily enough, I didn't go straight, to, straight into real estate. Um, I, I went into uh, selling into gyms, gym memberships, um, the fitness industry. And then from, from there, went into real estate property, which I still have a, a, a huge love for, a big passion for. I found myself B2C environment, of course, and then... They went from B to C to B to B, going into event sales, selling into the events industry. Um, really, really started to take selling seriously or, or the professional sales seriously ten years ago. That's when I really moved from a mindset of this is a job to this is a profession, right? And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we see generally in sales and i think it will have an impact on on what we see with the way buyers buying how sellers aren't necessarily aligned with that is people just see it as a job oh sales it's just a job whereas if you take it as a profession and you commit yourself to to being the best that you can be and continuously learn um it can it can bring you into wonderful places you can meet wonderful people you have opportunities like this to join podcasts like this and, and, and share insights and what have you. And for the last for the last six years, I've been with BSI. So quite fortunate that I sell into uh, and work with a number of organizations across different industry sectors. So I'm exposed to different ways of doing things, different ways of, of buying, uh, depending on who works. I can work with what one day I could be speaking with somebody that's uh, you know a construction company. The next day I could be speaking to somebody that's a startup in in, in medical device. Um, so just a huge huge spectrum of opportunity and, and different insights into the into the business world. Um, but prior to that, it's it's yeah it's 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 all been sales for the last sixteen years. That's all I know. So to start with, Scott. What are the broad stroke changes that you are seeing in the buying process over the last few years? You know, the, 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 biggest, the biggest change that I've seen is the, the digital world that we live in. And buyers are more informed. You know, reports from the likes of Gartner, for example, suggest that the, the buyer has the seller involved way down the buying cycle right so way 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 down the buying process they will get that seller involved whereas before maybe 5 10 15 years ago the buyer didn't really know much about what they were buying about the product they would go and seek that information so they would go directly to the seller and say hey look i think i might have a problem what is it that you do what does your product do can you tell me more about it what does how how could your company all these wonderful things that we now know that is the complete opposite um, so I'd say the broadest and, and the biggest change that I've seen is the access to information that the buyers have, but at the same time, 
that information is overwhelming for the buyer. There's so much information to them. And we know that buying today doesn't just involve one person, it involves several people. And within those several people, they've got to disseminate between themselves the relevant information, their own priorities in terms of what's happening within the business and what they want to do within their role and what they're trying to achieve. Um, so I, I would certainly say that that's the biggest change that I have seen. Um, one of the things that sort of goes hand in hand with that is the speed at which sellers, salespeople are adopting and moving to how buyers buy. So it's, it's really aligning your sales process to how your buyers buy and move away from seller-centric, product-centric selling. And that, I think we're very, very behind the curve with that. So, so, so unpack this a little more. How are the buyers buying and how are we selling? So where is the disconnect? And obviously, it's a huge disconnect. And, and, uh, and, and I would like you to draw from your experience of talking to these various industries so you know really what they're doing and what they're talking about, right? As a, if, we, if we're talking from a, a selling perspective, if we're talking about a salesperson, right? One of the, one of the biggest things they, they need to do is align their, their, their sales process to, to how their buyers buy. But what, what, what does that look like? First and foremost, there is no one size fits all. Yes, you can have a foundation. You can have something to, to, to work from if you like. But it's, it's really understanding that, firstly, you, you, you have to engage, whether that be directly or indirectly, with several people within what they call um, buying groups to, to, to get a, a consensus across that buying group to say, yes, we, we want to, to, to buy what you have. But of course, before that buying process happens, they have to know that they've got a problem, right? How big is that problem? What does that impact look like? The seller needs to understand that there is several people involved in the decision-making process. But of those several people, so for example, I was I was working with um, probably one of the world's largest retailers, probably the third biggest, if not the second. And I always, something I didn't do, but what I do after any um, opportunity that I have, whether or not I win the business or don't, I do an analysis. That's my own analysis, and it's my analysis that I do with my champion, my facilitator, to understand, well, why did you buy from us? You know, what, what, what the, you know, where could we have improved in that process? What could I have done better? But also, if they didn't buy, why not? If, if there was a no decision, that's, that's one of the biggest things I see as well, that businesses don't review why opportunities didn't close and and in truth they don't really look at why business was won either and if they do it's it's normally the case that why the business was won was never the actual reason why that business actually bought from you right and i i see this as an inherent problem because ultimately you have a salesperson, he comes into the sales role and he could be an experienced sales guy or he could be someone that's fairly new. But depending on the culture within the organization, how they sell, you often then find that the way that they sell their sales process is also in CRM, right? So you have your different stage gates, different stage processes, but your buyers don't buy like that. But yet you assume that, oh, okay, yeah, I've sent out the paperwork today. That's, that's gone to them. Great. No problem at all. I'm just waiting for the signature. But there could be several things happening in the background with your buyer to do with that paperwork. 
yet you're just assuming, oh, yes, it's just a bit of a delay. It's taken two weeks. You know, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, sales manager comes along. You know, how are we, how we, got, how are we getting on with that opportunity? Yeah, I just, I've sent out the paperwork. No problem at all. It's two weeks, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be back. And really, in truth, there's a lot going on with your buyer that you should know about. Um, but I, I would say that with regards to the, the buyer, and, and, and unpacking it across different industry sectors, there is that, as I said, there is no one size that, that fits all. And what I mean by that is this. You could work with two very similar companies, right? Two very similar companies. Let's just take, uh, I don't know, let's take um, two, let, let's take a, a retailer. So let's take a, a Tesco's uh, and an Audi, let's say, or a Sainsbury's, whoever it might be, right? So two two powerhouses in, 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 in retail, in the supermarket sort of sector, but just because they're similar, just because they meet your your buyer persona and your ICP, firstly, it doesn't mean they're going to buy from you. And if they do have a problem, it doesn't mean their problems are the same. And if it, if they do have the similar problems, it doesn't mean they buy the same as one another. And that it, it's un, it's understanding that it's it's spending that time. I I used to do this thing as a lot of salespeople do, but I've changed and I've done this over the last few years. A discovery call, right? A discovery call isn't just one call. Discovery happens throughout the sales process. <laughs> but I, I, I used to, I used to be like, okay, yeah, I've done my discovery call. I found out with the information. Um, yep, yeah, got everything that I need, and then you know, progress through the sales cycle. The sales process, and I know Gartner's state this as well. The sales process for a buyer isn't linear. We think that it goes in a straight line, whereas you can imagine, I don't know, a two or three-year-old with a, with a color pencil scribbling all over the place and back and forth. That is what a buyer's journey looks like. Um, and until you have a real understanding of what your buyer's journey looks like, and it can change at any time, they can revisit their, their buying jobs. I think there's probably a, a better way to describe it rather than buying jobs, if you like. But buying jobs is, is what they need to complete in order to move forward at each stage. But you have to understand how your buyer buys, put a foundation in place, map that out, but also share that insight. Buyers need guidance. You need to be, if you like, an external consultant. You need to be somebody that goes into these organizations and you don't sell. That's not, Your buyer is going to sell. You're going to buy. You've got to flip it around. It's a strange concept. And I'm, I'm sure salespeople that will listen to this will think, Scott, you're crazy. We, we, we're salespeople. We're selling. Yeah, you were 10 years ago. You were five years ago. Change your mindset. You are now buying. You are helping your buyers buy. They will do the selling because ultimately you can talk about selling into C levels and you can talk about reaching all the key stakeholders. You're not going to be able to reach every single one of them. So what you have to understand is who are those key stakeholders? Who are those buyers in that buying group? What is the information that they require? What do they individually need to see? What are their drivers and motivations? What are the potential challenges that we're running into? Your champion or the facilitator, your main sort of contact or couple of contacts that you may have, you want to arm them and educate them as to what information is likely to be asked for and also challenges that they'll come into. I, I, I remember about two months ago, I was working with a construction company and I tried selling into them before and it hadn't happened. Um, and at the time I never really analyzed why it didn't happen. I was just like, okay, I've, it's a lost opportunity. And I think it was like, you know, I think the, 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 what I put it down to in, in my CRM was, um, not a priority, something like this, right. Just a loose, uh, loose reason. 
But then I, I, I got back in contact with my, my champion, my facilitator, to see whether or not we could get this back on track and, and if, the, you know, go, go through the qualification process again and understand, you know, is that, is, that, is that problem still there? Is that problem bigger or is it the same as it was before? It was bigger. But then we did one thing. We, we analysed where we lost it before. And you know where we lost it before? And it was my problem. Not, not theirs. It was mine. I didn't look beyond the contacts that I assumed were involved in that type of decision-making process for that type of organization. So I'd worked with an organization like that before, and I assumed, well, you have similar, similar types of people, but there was a hell of a lot more. There was 15 people involved in this decision-making process. Of those 15 people, there were four that I hadn't equated for. And that's where we had lost it previously. So we knew that we had to provide and drive information internally that would sit with those four people and meet with what they were looking for and also understand what they were looking for. Um, and as a result of that, well, we, 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 you know, we, we, we won the business. But my, my facilitator, my champion said to me, he said, Scott, without your guidance, he said, I, I, I wouldn't have known what to do because I wouldn't have even known that these people – I needed to even get involved. Um, yeah, that's so. There's a bit of a we went off bit off track there in terms of what you asked me in the question, but there was a lot of unpacking there. It's time for a short break. As we went into the break, I asked Scott if we are oversimplifying the discovery and indeed the buying selling process and putting too much dependence on our ability to understand the buyer's problem based on a single discovery call. We'll be back after a short break. Stay with us. You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity, which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in that is bpn at b-i-z-c-a-s-t dot i-n Business Podcast Network Podcasts End to End Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for the Buyer Side Chat and founder of Pitchling, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Right before the break, I asked Scott if we are oversimplifying the discovery process. Listen in. One of the things, one of the points that you made was that we believe that once we do a discovery call, we have done the discovery. But yeah. that's that's putting too much uh, confidence in your ability to judge and analyze a problem which might have been in the making in a very complex organization for very many years, right? So the, the discovery process continues and our training is sort of telling us that, oh, if you ask the right questions, you will be able to discover a problem to which you'll be able to provide solution. It's a, it's a very naive kind of approach and also oversimplification. And that sort of is coming back to haunt us on the selling side by yeah. oversimplifying the buying and selling process in yeah. the B2B scenario especially. We have done a great disservice to to both sides actually yeah yeah it's um 
the, the problem we have, I say the problem we have is we, 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 we know, we know that buyers buy differently. We know the, the, the selling landscape has changed, right? Now, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, more, maybe BANT would have been effective, right? Maybe these methodologies of BANT would have been effective. It's, it's a difficult one to, to pin down because there are, there are several variables which impact the what, why this is still a thing. Um, I think there is, uh, if you like, internally within organizations, salespeople only know one way. Um, coaching doesn't exist to change that way of way of doing things and the way that they sell. That doesn't exist. So they just continue the way that they they know. But invariably, as you know, if we talk about the discovery, when you when you try and pack the discovery per se into into one call, you and then you are going to drive those incorrect behaviors to try and force something, it, you know, you don't have to have this, this one call with your buyer to try and determine, are they the right fit? Are they ready to buy? Because what you then do is you think, okay, well, I'm going to do my discovery call with them and I'm going to ask them a whole host of questions. The biggest problem that we, we have is we are still in that sort of seller-centric, product-centric sales process mindset. And it's, it's all geared up to, to benefit us not the buyer. And I think we have to move away from that. We also have to understand that the discovery is, it, it should be all the way through the sales process because you, if, if you just limit yourself and you close off your mind beyond that initial call and you think, okay, my job here is done. I've, I've done the discovery. I've extracted all the information I need. Brilliant. You're likely to miss key information moving forward. And that is, I also think a big contributor as to why, Certain deals just sit in the pipeline. Certain deals don't move out of the pipeline because sellers believe that they've done a wonderful discovery. But in truth, that discovery doesn't stop on that first call. It's all the way through that sales process. Sure. And if and if you if you change that and you, you, you have a discovery mindset all the way through. So as a seller, you're curious, you're asking and you're not interviewing somebody. You're not you're not interrogating them. And you ask the right questions, and you you you're there to support your buyer. You'll you'll find that one you'll have better qualified opportunities going into your pipeline, and combined with other things, it's not just about discovery, but combined with several other things, you'll find that your opportunities will actually close and just won't sit in the pipeline. You won't have a pipeline full of hope. Do you see this as a common thread between the various verticals that you deal with? Uh, like we are talking about construction, we are talking about medical devices, we are talking uh, in your current job at uh, BSI, you, you talk to multiple verticals. Do you see this as a common thread or or is it different for different? Uh... It's, it, it, I think it's, it's, a common, it's a common thread. I, I, I think the only variables and what may change is, is, is the number of buyers that might be involved in, in the decision-making process, but nonetheless, across all these industry sectors over the years, there's been an increase in the number of people involved in, in, in the decision-making. Um, inadvertently, some of them um, take on that role to be involved and they don't necessarily want to be, but for sure, there is, there is certainly a, a correlation across all industry sectors. But the only, I, I would say, if you're, one of the biggest differences is, 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 is potentially the job functions. The, the, the who the who is involved right so you might have so I, I mentioned earlier working with with startups you know startups in in the world of medical device you've also got to be mindful that you, you might sit with the end user but also at the same time you might have somebody that's a coo so i had i had an end user of a product that i sell 
um, going to be used by the, the the person that was on on the call with me. We've had several calls, but also we had the chief operating officer who isn't interested in the te- technical aspect of what that product does or doesn't do. Right? He's he's more interested as a startup. He's like, well, why do I want to ingrain the right culture? I'm also interested in the future. Where where is this product going to help us in the future? What's it going to do today, and what's it going to do tomorrow? In months to come so it's it's across industry it's just being aware of that the, the the process doesn't change per se in the sense that there are multiple stakeholders multiple people within these buying groups that that you have to engage with what does change is the job functions and you have to align your process to meet their needs and, and, and what they want that's the only thing that that differs sure i mean I think that's that's a very important point because a lot of times we miss the fact that if there are five or six different people involved in the decision, each one of them have a different outcome in their mind. It is not the same outcome they're all gunning for. Yet somehow you have to be able to establish that your product or service that you're trying to sell will actually deliver to all of them very separate outcomes that they're expecting. And, and that's where the deals will get closed. 100%. You know, you're not going to go and talk to, you know, a, a, a software engineer or a head of engineering or somebody like that and have that conversation and have the exact same conversation with a, with a finance director. That's not going to happen. You, you, you've got you've to understand. It's understanding who's your audience, who, who's, who's, who's in front of you. You know, what, like you said, what are their, what are their drivers? What are their motivations? What, what is it that they will get? Yes. Okay. So you've got, you've got this business that has um, a, a significant pain challenge at the moment. You have the solution that's going to solve that. You're going to take them from their current state to their future state. But within that, where, where is this taking these individuals within this, within this buying group? And, the truth is this: is that whilst, set yeah, selling selling is hard, buying is harder, and selling is hard, right? And it takes a lot more effort. I think that's that's the one of the biggest issues as well. Selling and sellers today, we're looking for this shortcut, right? We we, we want this shortcut. Well, you know, taking a couple of steps back about potentially how we engage with our buyers. You know, there's a lot of noise, especially on the moment on LinkedIn about tech. You know, tech stacks and investing in technology and all these sort of things. Technology, don't get me wrong, it's fantastic. You know, artificial intelligence and all these wonderful things, and to make make you know selling more efficient so that the salesperson is selling more rather than inputting things on the CRM, right? But tech's one thing. But if you can't sell, if you don't understand how your buyers buy, this technology is a waste of investment. But buyers, are, sellers are always looking for the, the magic bullet, the silver bullet. I did. I was one of those. I was one of those. You know, how, how, how can I send this email and make sure some, you know, how many people open it? What subject line should I use? What should this say? You know, what questions should I ask? You know, how, how quick can I get them from A to B and get them in my pipeline and how quick can I close them? And the truth is that mindset still exists and you've got to work harder. There's no two ways about it. As a seller, you have to work harder, but harder isn't, it's not more work. It's just thinking differently. It's, it's just a, it's thinking how your buyers buy. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's selling how your buyers buy, not how you sell. Um, and I think if you can shift to that mindset, understand how your buyers buy, work with them, put you, put, 
put yourself in their shoes. People talk about empathy and, and, and these sort of things. Um, but yeah, put yourself in their shoes and you'll see overnight the, the drastic changes in your sales performance. But as I said, the, the, the challenge is there that sellers, we're, as salespeople, we're inherently lazy. Salespeople are inherently lazy. That's the truth. Is this a failure of the frontline sales guy or is it a failure of sales leadership? Both. So I, if, if, if I use myself as, as the example, I would probably blame everybody else. Not now, but if I, didn't, if I didn't hit my target or I didn't have a good call, I didn't have a good outcome, it'd be somebody else's fault, right? But here's the thing. We, we live in a world today that if you can hold yourself accountable for any outcome in life, whether that be your work life or your, your personal lives, whatever it might be, we have access. If we talk about selling, we have access to so many resources, right? Books, podcasts, platforms like LinkedIn. And of course, we have to be mindful because LinkedIn is a great platform. There is wonderful best practice. I have to coin that phrase carefully because we talk about best practices. Some of it isn't, but there is some wonderful things and you can learn, right? So I think the seller you can't make that excuse. Oh, I don't, I, you know, my business don't coach. You know, we don't have coaches. We don't have leaders. We don't do this training. They don't, you know, the onboarding process was terrible. These are things, of course, as a, as a business and, and leadership can improve. But as a seller, there's nothing stopping you taking yourself away and learning and applying it. And and, and I think that's the thing. I think in, in truth, if I, if I was being really brutal, it's the seller's fault. It's our fault, not the leadership. You can blame leadership. Yeah, there are some terrible leaders out there. There are, there are businesses out there that, that, yeah, they just don't provide any support, any level of training. But as a seller, we have limitless, limitless amounts of resource available to us. One, one of the biggest things you can do, forget podcasts, forget books, forget LinkedIn. Pick up the phone to people that you've sold to in the past and understand why they've bought from you, why they've bought from you, how you've helped them. As a result, how is their life, working life better by using your product and service? And understand and map, map that out. Use that, use that as your framework and just, just, just keep, keep reviewing that, keep analyzing that, keep looking at that. Um, and that's, that's, all you, that's all you need. So in, in, in the, the short answer to your question is the seller is to blame. The seller is to blame because we're, we're lazy. We're lazy people, but we have we have so much resource available to us. And I think I, I, I think if yeah, you, you can you can change. You don't need leadership. Of course, you want it should be there, and it, you should have it. But if you don't get it, don't blame it. You accountability, be accountable, and you will achieve wonderful things. Great. Where do you think the buyer behavior change is headed in the next few years? I think it's still it's going to become more complex. You know, the digital world that we live in is there are, you know, we talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning and, and what have you. But we know today that the, 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 the buyer engages with the seller so far down the buying process. I think that's that's going to get even further elongated. I think that's going to that's going to even increase even more. I think one of the biggest challenges that we're seeing now and something that we have to react to is that sea of sameness. I think in I think there's a couple of couple of people that um, are, are very into the the, the buyer enablement world and have have um, written some wonderful books, um, and they've coined that term. But 
it, it's that product differentiation. You know, as a buyer, you look into the market today in terms of what you're looking for, right? And everything just looks the same. All the marketing similar. The message that you're portraying is similar. I think one of the biggest things that's going to happen is buyers are going to look for somebody they're going to look as if they're searching for a consultant, as if they're looking for somebody to come and join their business and say, hey, look, we kind of need this external buyer. We need you to help us facilitate how we buy things. And I think as, as, as a seller, that's how you're going to set yourself apart. The, you have to move away from this CSA-ness. You have to stand out from the crowd. Um, and you have to provide the buyer with a better buying experience. If you can provide them with a better buying experience, then you're going to win. You're going to win their business hands down. But I think in in years to come, selling is just going to become even harder. It's, it, it is that that I, I I don't see it changing the other way. It's going to get harder. How do you how do you actually help the buyer's buying experience become better? What what is it? What do you mean when you say make his buying experience better? What is it that you think B two B sellers should be doing, which they're not doing today? understand what their buyers do first and foremost on a on a day-to-day level right understand what what, what is it they go through day-to-day immerse yourself in, in 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 their world you know if you're talking to somebody that is uh, you know a software developer a head of engineering you know a business owner whatever it is what is it that they go through day-to-day immerse yourself in the world understand what their priorities are as as as, as a business understand that if you are the right fit for them if your solution is what they are looking for then then be there you have to understand that it's very likely that the people that you're speaking to have never bought what you sell but the great thing is you've sold what they're going to buy so you've been in that position before they they're seeking that help they they need to disseminate right they need to disseminate all this information there's so much information out there for them they need somebody that can just really break it down uh, and say here look we have this thing this is what it can do we we understand what your process looks like. You you you've got to understand what the process looks like. I would say that's the biggest thing. Immerse yourself in their world. Understand what their buying process looks like. Guide them as well. Say, look, you're likely to find this is going to happen. This person's going to be involved. They want they want someone to take their hand. They want someone to take their hand and walk them through the buying process. That is that is what they're seeking of somebody, and they're seeking the information at the right time. Whenever they need that information, they want that information. You know, it's I know there are, you know, we talk about sort of sales process and we, you know, we go into, um, you know, a buyer, maybe just engaging with a seller initially. Say, oh, I mean, can you tell me how much this costs? Or, you know, I'm just I'm only interested in the price right now for sure. OK, look, we have to weed out who's serious and who's not serious in buying and those that are ready to buy. But at the same time, buyers need the information yesterday and you have to be able to react to that and give them that information. Um, in order for them to make an informed decision that this is the right thing for them and they don't, they don't have what they refer to as buyer's regret, right? Because, again, one of the things that I've done, and I, it's, it's a wonderful thing that I wish I did it before, but hindsight is a wonderful thing, is, is when, I, when I speak to people that I've sold into and, and I say to them, and I, especially my facilitators, my champion, they always say to me, they say, Scott, like one of the biggest fears that I have is that it's on my head, like this, I, I, I'm the one that's driving this internally. So, and I have to make sure that there's payoff from this. I have to make sure that this this turns out to be the right solution. Otherwise, I'm I'm fearful that you know uh, people sort of say, "Oh, look what you've done! You you brought the wrong product, the wrong service into the business." 
Um, so again, it's it's also ensuring that that journey ensures that there is no buyer regret. The buyer side chat is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer seller engagement platform. Pitchlink enables high quality interactions between buyers and sellers through presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create personalized sales presentations and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive buyer qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer seller conversation. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on 650-847-5884. That is 650-847-5884. Fantastic. Scott, thank you so much. I really appreciate your joining us today and uh, I would love to continue our conversation. We will. We will. I could, you know, I could spend hours with you talking about this. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Scott. We have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes featuring great conversations unraveling in depth how the real buyers buy. Stay tuned. Thank you for being with us today on the Buyer Side Chat. This is the podcast of record for the buyer side journey. And those who know, that's the journey that matters. We hope this conversation helped you with insights that you can go and apply right now to your own value transaction process. See you in the next episode of the Buyer Side Journey.